Welcome back to the Cairo London podcast. This edition is all about mental health, something I know nothing about, so I invited the expert, Shula Wolfenden, along for a chat. That's right, yeah. I finished all my training and I'm doing more research uh, into what it is that I seem to be drawn towards, and mine is family trauma and how trauma gets manifested from a psychological point of view yes via the body because that's my background Mm. Um, and that's what initially I guess was one of my inroads into it in understanding it but also how it can pop out best way to describe it I think which is really interesting is that we are all plug sockets Um, so you've got the, the house of McLean but you and you are a outlet for the energy that's in the house and all your other members of the family, they're plug sockets too, but you are connected via some form of energetic invisibleness, so to speak, implicit, explicit memories, experiences. And then that comes through and it manifests in lots of different ways through behavior, through your body. Don't use all the gold yet, you know? Oh, Are you not recording? Damn! <laughs> well, I am, but, um, you know, let's just actually start this off and then... Yeah, so sorry about that. That was uh, actually recorded from our initial little banter we had before I officially pressed record, but it was quite funny, so I thought I'd include that. But look, uh, I'm not lying when I know not much about mental health, and I wanted everyone to try and share in Shula's knowledge uh, more about mental health and different ways we can actually help ourselves. So we hear initially about how Shula changed completely her vocation to become an integrative psychotherapist, and there were some reasons behind why she did that, which she shares with us. Thanks, Shu. Um what is integrative psychotherapy and also where do you find a trusted source of a counsellor so I asked that towards the end of the podcast head to the end if that's what you're interested in we also talk about as a chiropractor all the physical problems that sometimes generated or manifested through emotional stress so that's useful listening to that for if you are a chiropractor or even if you're someone who suffers from a lot of physical stress and tension due to emotional causes. But the best bit is two-thirds of the way through where we discuss actual strategies to help us reprogram some of these negative mental health patterns that are in probably all of us. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I learnt a lot. And over to you, Shula. Shula Wolfenden, welcome to the Cairo London podcast. Wonderful, this thank you. Is the mental health edition, <laughs> which uh, puts me in an uncomfortable place because I know nothing about uh, mental health and different ways to deal with it. So I've asked you, Shula, as a student or nearly graduated student of integrative psychotherapy, to come and have a little chat. So, can you give us a little bit of background about you uh, and about? what your what's what you actually are studying and how you kind of went down that pathway to take that uh, as a new uh, vocation for yourself oh uh well yes how far do you want to go back um i guess my early life has always revolved around sport 
um, biomechanics. That's how I met my husband. Um, and we set up a business together. And from that, uh, you start then move into a different time of life where family starts. Uh, my husband suffered from PTSD. That came out in his life. Uh, so dealing with that was really interesting. And being a bystander to to all that was brought up um, and that is associated uh, with that. Um, the mental health just made me realize how individual we all are and how we all have our part to play. Um, and I think that's what made life really interesting for me. So I then went down the psychotherapy route in an order to understand the whirlwind that I had uh, been exited from. Uh, my husband could no longer take the PTSD, so he took it into his own hands, um, and unfortunately he could take it no more, and decided to end his life. This left me with two young kids and a lot of confusion. Um, I really had some kind of take on life, and it had all been completely blown apart. Um, and I think I needed to understand why I was like I was and some idea, which I will never 100% know because obviously that's gone to the grave with him. But can I understand a little bit of what went on for him as well? And uh, that's what set me off. So after living with trauma and PTSD for probably nearly 20 years, I then went into integrative psychotherapy which is a model of psychotherapy that's based on lots of models of psychotherapy. So you have psychoanalytics, which is Freud. Um, you then have Carl Jung, Jungism. You have Gestalt, which deals with the body. Um, you have uh, Relational, which uh, is Carl Rogers, which is very much about uh, unconditional love and uh, positive regard about the person sitting in front of you. And I think I'm quite a relational person, so integrative psychotherapy was wonderful for me uh, because, hey, I learned to spell the word psychotherapy and I really didn't know there were all these schools of psychotherapy. And it was really good because it, it allowed me to find my feet in amongst it all because I'm not one, I'm not psychodynamic purely, but it informs my work very much. Um, gestalt, I love the body, how it works. So I look at people and what movements they make and they can be completely unconscious, but they are the inroad to somebody's inner being. And if we can, if I can learn to stand next to somebody and appreciate what it is they are going through, if I can walk next to them, then we have a better ability to bring to light what was in the darkness, in the shadows, so to speak. Because, uh, like, definitely in this last few years, obviously mental health has got much more of a voice in everything, isn't it? You know, it was sort of something that was never really spoken about and it's become a much more uh, bigger thing, And which is kind of part of the reason why I, I wanted to speak to you today for myself to get a little bit more understanding about it. But also for the people, you know, a lot of the people who are going to be listening to this are going to be linked in with the Cairo London practices and there would be a ton of them coming in with some variation of challenge around mental health. Now, I see a lot of, you know, of, of or our groups, there's a lot of people coming in and they have physical 
uh, aspects of challenge, be it pain or dysfunction or whatever. But a lot of that stuff also has an origin in some sort of mental or emotional stress going on in the body as well, right? Mm -hmm. Now, as chiropractors, we're pretty awesome at dealing with the physical side of things, but I'm pretty sure we're pretty rubbish at dealing at the kind of like the, the, the mental emotional side of things you know uh, we have an understanding that is a big factor but this is kind of part of the reason why I wanted to have a chat to you today about maybe uncovering a little bit more about some of the common things that we all maybe some suffer more than others that can end up in a situation whereby it affects you physically so um, do you want to maybe journey down that pathway a little bit for me and uh, see where we end up do you know what you said, which I thought was wonderful, is that you deal with the physical side, but how many of us go to the hairdresser, go and, you know, go to some kind of practitioner, the Cairo, or we are sat there with a practitioner of sorts, and we end up spilling the beans, and these people listen. So I bet you have had people on the table where you have ended up almost being a sounding board for these people while they do pour out it's like oh what's been going on with your body or whatever and these people will just they've got their trust in you already to help them heal in their body so there's a natural flow that there's going to be a mental connection too and they will try you I don't know can you agree with that or do you have a different angle what's it like for you to have somebody on the table do you get people opening up to you yeah, absolutely. And and I think, and, and that's my assumption, is the best way to deal with any mental health uh, issue is just to talk about it, right? Uh, and so in this crazy time that we're in on the planet at the moment, maybe some people are finding it harder to find someone to talk to. Thankfully, I feel that, well, chiropractors are in a very privileged position to be able to still go out there and serve the people who need the help. And so we've been able to stay open. And We've been very busy probably based on that aspect of people are suffering uh, physically and mentally and, and would need someone to turn to at this time. So, yeah, look, I say we're rubbish at dealing with it, but obviously being part of uh, a good any practitioner of, of anything uh, to do with like a personal service, you have to have that ability to communicate with someone and to listen uh, to yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like I was looking at this uh, study the other day of sort of like you know, what are the top 10 reasons people consult a practitioner and, and you know, to be heard is pretty much one, the top number one um, uh, reason as to why people consult help, you know. So, we're, um, so, so, so that's we definitely have uh, a lot of that stuff going on uh, and this is why I'm like, well, Maybe if there's some, so can you, because I'd like my chiropractors to listen into this as much as uh, the, the the people who are who are we are serving at the moment as well. So yeah, I mean, maybe take it that step further and go. Well, okay, if we are in that situation, we are communicating with um, people. What are the, some of the tricks of the trade that you've learned to sort of help people with you know unresolved issues, that sort of stuff. I think, well, one of the first steps is exactly what you're talking about is um, people talk about it. They come to talk about it with you. And what's interesting is you're dealing with the physical body. And a lot of the time we store stuff in our body, uh, but we don't know how to articulate it into words. So a lot of our 
our stuff is when people go, oh, I'm lost for words or, you know, they don't just don't know how to verbalize what it is they want or what it is that they're feeling. Um, and we are relational. I mean, you alluded to that just then. And lockdown has exacerbated us to the other end of the extreme to the point where we've had to literally isolate and we are we are cutting off that ability to connect to people and we'll all have people in the office or you know what we do on our daily used to be pre-lockdown lives where we would meet people and we would have this interaction and that just takes the lid off the pressure cooker where we are able to just address things maybe not go in too deep but it just gives us a nice holding pattern and what lockdown has done has put us into isolation and just given us the same four walls and the same, you know, the same surroundings. And that has really challenged a lot of us. And we're not getting the movement. We're not getting the distraction that we did before. So we were actually being forced to be with ourselves. And that has brought to the surface a lot of problems manifesting physically and mentally as well. So, but here's the thing is that, that, that we, we are obviously involved in the process of healing through both touch and through communication, right? But, however, I think this is where there is a line that once you, and, and I, I see this uh, a little bit as well, where there's this, like, repeated pattern that sort of just keeps returning with people, right? And there's, there's sort of like that chronic neck and upper back tension, which is where a lot of people hold all their stress, and then you're like, okay, well, there's only maybe so much I can do to help you if this is being, this has just got a trigger that is beyond physical, right? So that's where then, okay, that would be great to have a, a wider network that, to be honest, we don't have much of a network of people to sort of help us with the sort of mental health or the sort of even the psychotherapy stuff, right? So give us give us a bit of a, an insight as to, if someone feels like they're in that little bit of a cycle and, and, and you know, maybe the physical treatment is not quite enough, what is a fairly classic sort of way when someone comes to you for the first time, what, what is that sort of uh, how, how does the process of seeing you as a psychotherapist work? Okay, so people usually come to us because they're hitting brick walls. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they keep having a repeat pattern like you have just said. Um, you know, they keep something keeps happening and they don't know what it is, but they're in a state of flux almost. It's like a burning, it's like a, a festering in the head, and they can't see a way out of it. And it's being able to um, pour oil on the spaghetti. You know, when spaghetti gets so stuck, but if you put a little bit of oil on it, it loosens it up. And when things loosen up, you start to see. Um, more comes into your awareness and then that allows you to see a problem through different lenses or different eyes, different perspectives. And when you see a different perspective, the tension gets loosened, the oil goes onto the sketchy, you get more choices. But if you're rigid, if we get stuck in our ways because society has told us or the family has always brought me up to believe this and I've been doing it since a year dot, how do you know that actually that is a choice that you can have when you have been told to do something X, Y, Z, da, 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 all your life? And we need jerk back into that. And, you know, the body holds that, but we don't have that as a choice. But until we have that choice, can we? kind of let go of the tension 
And uh, there's a wonderful author called Bessel van der Kolk, and he has written a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And he does a wonderful scientific approach to how the mind and the body is connected and how we store a lot in our body that we can't talk about. But therapy is about actually being able to put words to that. But the way to get into the body, for me, on the psychotherapeutic side, would be through symbols, through dreams, through shadow work, through triggers. What are the words that you always say? What ha- Obviously, we need to look at how your life was when you were young. What were your experiences? Who are you connected to? What were secrets? What wasn't said? What was kept hidden from you? What's just come into view? What are your triggers today that are really related to what happened yesterday, so to speak? Um, Yeah, go on. No, um, it sounds like that probably what I have in my mind of, um, you know, because I've never been through the process myself. I think it would be great for everyone to go through the process, wouldn't it? Uh, But, you know, it's that thing, is you know, the the self-talk and the... Uh, maybe the habits that have been going in your life for since day zero, uh, a lot of the time you're not even conscious that they are impeding you in your ability to make choices about the future of your life or the direction of your life, right? Do you want to do an example? Right. One that's pretty common. So if you look at somebody who is always running frantic, I've got so much to do, I need to get this done, I've got, you know, constantly firefighting, always trying to uh, get things done, and they've got a mountain of to-do lists. Okay, so you could probably allude it to the fact that they came from a family where don't talk about feelings, you just get up and go. You've hurt your knee. Okay, just give it a wash. You're fine. Off you go. Um, and don't ask for help. Okay, so you don't, it's vulnerability. Okay, so too much pride or you're not allowed to ask for help. You don't know how to ask for help. So you grow up into older life thinking, okay, uh, maybe you grew up with a single parent and that single parent had to do everything. So therefore you're like, gosh, I have to do everything. I have to pay the bills. I have to do the work. I have to do the running around. I have to taxi all the kids to all the clubs because that's what my parent did. So you end up going into older life doing exactly the same. But can you accept any help from anyone else? No, it's too painful, or you're just not used to saying, "Oh, would you be able to get dinner on when I get home?" You know, if you're in a in a family unit, it's very hard to rely on the other person. If your example was just a single parent, so there's a typical one. But this person ends up running around, tense, 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 and they go into burnout, and it's all in their body as well. You can see it when people are like that; they're stressed, but they have no choice because, for as far as they're concerned. They have to do it and they have to keep calm and carry on because isn't that a legacy of Britain? You know, we're still talking about that. Yeah, so um, that must be a real challenge though, I guess, sometimes to actually try and work out what those triggers are and, and, and what the sort of the, the, the negative impacts on these actually things have too. So uh, therein lies the skill, I guess. Um, how, how long is uh, like the degree that you've been doing over? Uh, like, cause, um, and what, where are you studying at the moment as well? Give us, give okay, us the so actual details of that. Yeah, CCPE, Centre of Counselling and Psychotherapy Education, they're based in Little Venice. 
um, in London, and they are an integrative transpersonal. So we tend to work with what's behind the scenes, the inner psych. So um, you, you've got various schools. So you've got cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very practical, very good about coping mechanisms, dealing with fears and anxieties as they come up. Deep inner psych work, which is a part of my remit, but inner psych work is going behind that brick wall and finding out what the cause was, shining a light on it, bringing it from the implicit to the explicit and allowing you then to have a look at that and be able to go, actually, I do have a choice. I don't have to buy into this theory that I'm useless or you know, low self-esteem, or I can actually say something to the other person and stand my ground. And actually, they're not going to attack me or hit me, you know, because that's the fear you bring in from a kid. It's quite black and white. But as you go into adulthood, and you still take that fear with you, it's very hard for people to stand up for themselves. Sometimes when they were used to being shouted down or hit or something, for them to take that into adult life and actually go, you know what? I want even the simplest things. Um, what do you want to do tonight? Oh, I don't know. Because for them to put out an opinion or to make a choice might not be what the other person wants. And that is catastrophic for some people. Because yeah, it, it sounds like well, you, you've said before when I've spoken with you that your particular focus is family psychotherapy right or, or, yes, or counseling that's my right? research yeah at the moment yeah which is the sort of stuff you were just talking about there where the sort of there's a lot of dynamics going on within a, a family group be it sort of parents and children or husband and wife and mm. yeah so it sounds like that that you know that's the sort of stuff because as you said I picked up on that point of like the chiropractor most people don't walk through the front door for the first visit unless they're particularly motivated to do so by something that's really out of their control um Especially, yeah pain you know, and so uh, that's that sounds like the sort of thing where you don't, you know, probably we should be meeting way more people who actually aren't at that point, you know, in the same way that I'm sure a chiropractor should be seeing a ton more people who actually are completely broken. Um, and to be honest, thankfully, a lot of people do come in through the door these days without sort of, you know, not hobbling. They literally just have some sort of issue that they're, they're sort of a little bit annoyed with or just a bit sick of actually having, you know. Um, but probably it's the same as, dentists and psychotherapists where most of the time until that tooth is really screaming out in pain you don't go and visit the dentist as a general rule and until your kind of mental health is at a point of breaking before you would actually even set foot in the door right so well you see that's a really interesting point because obviously we all have different levels of pain threshold but also levels of oh, now I really need to do something. Some people will actually go to the point, you know, like Monty Python, cut my arms, cut my legs off. You know, I'll still get you. I'm fine. You know, and it's like you were talking about we are reactive, you know, rather than proactive. And, you know, what went through my mind when you started saying that was, you know, what can we do to help people's psychological and obviously the 360 physical health is can we get to kids younger can we you know they are starting to teach psychology in schools um you know can we help people form that foundation can people be okay to put their hands up and say yeah me too i hurt or you know i've i've, I've got backache i need to do something about it now before it manifests into something that's terrible but what's stopping them uh to going now and actually waiting till actually you know it is too bad. I mean, the, the whole thing with prostate cancer, I think you'll remember, is that they're really trying to get men 
to get to the doctors earlier and not ignore the signs. Why do we ignore those signs? What is it in our culture that makes us stoic, that makes us ignore our own physical well-being in order to go, well, I just don't want to be a moaning ninny or keep calm, carry on. You know, I buy into this whole philosophy, you know, very stoic. We didn't win the war, you know, because of this. It's, it, we, we have got so much that buys into our everyday life that it's actually unpicking that. And how does that affect us in the choices we make? Why do you get people coming through the door when it's absolutely screaming, when if you'd have got them six months earlier or two weeks earlier, they would have been in a lot better place. Now, not everyone's into sport, but like you and I, we're kind of into it. But uh, possibly as you, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, well, maybe it is sport. We can thank sport to a degree for actually helping people almost normalise the use of strategies to perform better through like uh, mental processing or, or you know, the, the, the Steve Peters uh, chimp paradox thing and, you know, all that where whereby, you know, you don't wait normally as a sportsman or an athlete before you're completely broken down, before you've lost the Masters on the final day of the golf tournament by sort of like, although I'm pretty sure Rory McIlroy has done a fair bit of um, <laughs> psychological analysis of certain things. But it's, it's that sort of a thing where um, athletes are very much into fine-tuning things to get better performance, right? Um, and that's both from the chiro-physical side of things and from the psychological side of things. Mm-hmm. Big time. So I think we could probably all learn from athletes from that. I mean, uh, I, I think not everyone's really into sport, um, but certainly I think we could generally learn from that, that just don't wait for it to be the last thing to, to break before you uh, take matters into your own hands. I mean, hmm. Well, definitely. I think what you've touched upon is it's a mentality approach, isn't it? And I think to be, you know, a sportsman of dedication, you know, whether you be one of those athletes that's higher up the chain, you realise how much comes into it, how it's a 360 picture, you know, your nutrition, your body, your physical health, your mental approach to a big game, for instance, you know, the top golfers, when they're standing there, you know, how can they shut out the world? When you're at the, um, you know, you're about to take a penalty for footballers and things like, you know, you're under so much pressure. Plus, you know, if you really worried about what people think about you, you'd crumble at that point. Oh, my God, I've got all the fans who've paid for all their season tickets. I have to get this goal or we're relegated. Mm. You know, how do you separate that from you just having a kick about and being excellent in training, not care in the world, kicking it into the back of the net easy, nine times out of ten. But there so, you are. So how do you do that? <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> Good no, I mean, so you you did mention there before or uh, before we we turned on the recording, but um, the that compartmentalization of things, right? Uh, I want to go down that route a little bit more because I can imagine that because I, I was still trying to, and I don't think we've quite given the listeners the gold just yet around that that thing where you're, you're in this kind of vicious cycle be it a, a, a physical pain or a kind of negative thought pattern or whatever. And uh, what are some, and, you know, I know it's not about life hacks and about sort of the tricks of the trade, even though I've already asked you for a trick of the trade. Um, but, you, you know, what's a really useful thing that if someone's listening to this right now, they could start doing 
that could help them sort of shift a bit of a negative pattern that's going on in their in their lives? Well, it's kind of like coping mechanisms, isn't it? I mean, if somebody is realising that day-to-day business, that he, she are getting triggered and, you know, their emotions are causing them to not handle or carry on with their day, it's actually disrupting their normal day-to-day daily life, as it were, then something is trying to be recognized. Now, you can either address the symptoms and go, right, okay, can I help with my breathing? Can we look at, I mean, like you know, that you've got the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Our brains are tuned in to go to the negative bias in life. So if something negative happens in our life, we will tune in on that really good. Basically, we want to make lunch, not be lunch. So we are, our propensity to spot things that are negative help us. We only have a third of that, which is focused on the positive. So our ability to focus on the negative, unfortunately, you know, sweeps the rug out from underneath our feet for some people. Um, And if we are getting a trigger that is reminding us of something that um, happened a long time ago, but it is implicit, but it is being brought about today, then yes, we can look into that, but that's not going to help you in the moment, is it? Because you're having a physical reaction and you're having a mental reaction. And it is a case of like, oh my God, who was talking when I was just in that meeting there or when I was having a row with the person at the checkout at the Tesco's or whatever, there are other supermarkets. You know, it's, it's a case of who is that person? And if you can't think you're like, Oh my God, who possessed me to say that this is stuff that's trying to come out. So we can actually, can we stand back and realize that we are actually being triggered in the moment and that our, what I'm about to say is irrational and it's probably a little bit too much for this situation. Okay, I'm reacting too much. Can we then stand back, hold it, and can we regulate ourselves to be able to bring in a smoother thinking pattern, so to speak, and free up the choices so you don't have to go down the red mist route, so to speak. So if we can, um, meditation, Yoga, breathing, lots of people roll their eyes, but a lot of people are jumping on board because what does that do? That regulates us. If we bring in regular breathing and if we bring in uh, some kind of like somatic feeling here where we can left, right tap, we are tapping into left brain and right brain hemispheres and we are able to then look at the picture, stand back a little bit more our breathing becomes more centered. We get less fight, flight, freeze, and we're able to deal deal with it. Obviously, you know, we can use it like a little bit, just sort of like go, whoa, Shula, step back a bit a minute here. I can feel there's a part of me that's just overreacting and I can feel it in my fists. I can feel it in my jaw. I'm clenching. Okay, let's just take a minute. I'm just going to breathe. And then I'll come back to you on that point you know, and you can manage yourself. That frees you up. That gives you a choice in the moment. If something keeps coming up, if you keep getting triggered by the same thing, the same person, um, basically something's knocking at the door that wants to be recognized. And that's where you go and talk to someone and you work it out. You stand next, next, you know, next door to each per- person and you kind of like walk the road and you go, this is what happens. And you go and pick it. 
And then when you unpick it, you start to see a different perspective about it. You see what triggers you. You then make, you then get choices to say, actually, this makes me really angry, but I can see that I don't say anything. And then what you can do is bring it back and say, I'm going to say something now before I get to boiling point. Okay, so it's all about boundaries. Compartmentalization, as it were, is allowing you in the present to sort of like separate these things so that you don't get swamped by everything. And it's like, you know, bringing your baggage with you, so to speak. Can we learn to manage that baggage and just leave it at home because you don't need to bring it into work? But sometimes we struggle with that. The boundaries get blurred. But can we help put those boundaries in? I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here. And am I answering your question? I'm not too sure. This this is the gold we're all been waiting for. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That was like, uh, that was brilliant because, like you said, just being able to pause and not just react in the way that you've maybe conditioned yourself to react. And it's not always like a physical reaction or shouting at someone or, or, or going off on one. It's sometimes just like a, that really makes me angry and I'm not going to tell anyone about it, you know, or, um, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of constantly got this vicious cycle of a, of, of a similar repeated thought pattern. So no one even hears anything, but it's just like, a pattern that's going on up in here and you just can't break that, you know. Um, and, and you know, as you're saying, breathing or stepping back and just kind of maybe trying to sort of look at yourself doing that. And, uh, you know, again, not that I meditate that much, but I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, that mantra-based meditation is what that's all about, right, where you kind of are trying to just breathe, detach yourself from life as you know it, but then you repeat this yeah, you know, I think that's the way it works. No expert, but you know where you you repeat uh, like a a sentence which is "I am worthy" or uh, you know wh- whatever you want to actually say, um, and then that sort of just builds a little bit more of that strength internally to be able to do that. And if you're doing that like five minutes, fifteen minutes every day for six months, your mind actually start to feel a little bit more worthy. You know, um, exactly what you're saying is remapping. You know, it's from a scientific perspective, it's challenging those neurons that are mapped to actually think negative bias. Okay, so what we need to do is like, for instance, what you were talking about then is if we have something that triggers us or you feel rageful, but you don't know what it is, um, you know, it's like, I'm fine. You walk off, you go slam a few doors in the kitchen. Clearly you're not fine, but you're trying to avoid something just as much as your people are trying to avoid the elephant in the room that you just walked out of. So it's still here, but how do we disperse it? You can slam a few kitchen cupboard doors or the front door and you can go for a walk and try and distract yourself, but it's still in your body, isn't it? It's still unprocessed. Um, and But what we need to do is actually tap into that. And when you can't articulate it, you don't know really why you're this rageful or you're this anxious or tearful. Um, something is coming to the door. But what you can do is remapping. And on a physical way that we can help ourselves in the moment is um, you've got the visualizations, but a physical one is left, right, left, right. Now you can tap your upper arms. They call it the butterfly technique, or you can do your upper thighs if you're sitting down and you do a methodical left, right, left, right. 
And while you say that, you go, even though I feel bonkers, rageful, horrendously, I want to rip his head off. I want to do this. Even though I am absolutely screaming to my back teeth, I hate myself, I hate them, whatever it is, you name it. And then you go, even though X, Y, Z, I still deeply and profoundly love and accept myself and, and I am safe. And that's quite an important one too. So you're affirming how you feel, but you're remapping it with actually, I hear you. I hear that part of me, but also it's okay to feel that. And it's you're taking it from left brain to right brain. And you're basically helping yourself and remapping that rage, that anger, so that when you get triggered in that particular nuance again, it's not as intense. It's not an overnight cure. It takes time. It's a drop in the ocean. Keep dripping. Drip feed that positivity into you because it's about believing in yourself at the end of the day and knowing that whatever your decisions are, how you look after yourself, how you go about in this world and not at the behest of someone else, um, whether they, you're happy, I'm happy, you know, it's like bringing it back to you and just dealing with what's happening in here and how can we help that in the body as well. Do love this format of just chatting because it really does just kind of unravel some amazing stuff as you just kind of like uh, having a casual chat about mental health on a Tuesday afternoon. That <laughs> <laughs> is, it's good fun, isn't it? No, but I mean that, that that's exactly the outcome I was hoping to go down with this uh, chat. Is that if you know people make it this far into the podcast, they'll actually you know get that um, very useful technique to help them in at any point in time, you know. And, look, I can imagine it's not just as simple as, you know, in the same way as people spend a lot of time doing stretches or on the sort of massage ball or foam roller for six months, 12 months before they finally make their way into the chiropractor and get the expertise that maybe they needed right back at the start. But I'm pretty sure mental health, um, there isn't particularly a lot of foam roller or massage balls out there <laughs> to help you with a kind of at-home self-help type of program. But um, this would be the sort of thing that would be a great place to start. As you said, breathing techniques, a bit of a mantra, a bit of like, it's okay, I'm okay. That left-right thing um, sounds, sounds amazing. So, um, oh, it is. It's, it's, it's all come about in the last sort of like 30 odd years, this left, right, how it connects left brain to right brain. So when we actually get a trauma, it gets trapped in a certain part of our brain and we can't process it because it was so not normal. You know, you see someone die in a car accident or you lose a parent or, you know, something traumatic happens to you and you don't know how to process it and you, or you weren't given the chance to process it as a kid kid or as a young adult or as a person uh, so you're not told how to handle these feelings you don't know how to handle them so they get stuck sometimes we get video clips that flash up sometimes we just get hot feelings that come up in the body but we don't know what they're from or it happened so long ago or we do know what it is but we just don't know what to do with it and we get we get you know fireworks remind soldiers of bombs so you know the subconscious will send you into a sort of like a you know a self uh, pr preservation mode and it overrides everything else but it doesn't help when you're in you know the checkout at the supermarket and you do that 
So it's learning to, can we separate that and can we give ourselves the understanding and the holding and process what was that trauma, take it over and file it to where it was. It'll never get rid of it. And sometimes you will feel triggered one day, but not the next. But it allows you to step back from it and start to have a normal daily life as you would wish it. Amazing. Uh, Now, just probably rounding up that discussion of the whole thing, I did love that concept of where everyone, a lot of people feel like they've got to carry all of their baggage around for their, of what they've experienced for their entire life all the time. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you can't leave home or you can't go to work without sort of carrying that baggage around. And, yeah, it must be quite a nice skill to have to be able to sort of recognise some of the baggage that you are carrying around but to be able to kind of lock it away somewhere and leave it in the loft at home <laughs> or whatever uh, and then step outside and uh, know that you don't have to carry that around anymore. Well, I think I think probably what it is is we do, we hold it in us, don't we? We are, we are carrying it but if we recognise it, we know to be able to go, it's okay, I can hear that in me. And that is, you're on that knife edge where you can go that way or you can go that way. Mm. And you can say, right, okay, I know where this is coming from. I can understand that part of me. And I can see that if I did choose this way, it might completely dissolve the situation and be catastrophic or whatever. Or we can choose and go, actually, this is not connected to the conversation I'm having with this person right now. I can leave it in my loft, as it were. So it's probably a bit simplistic of me to sort of think that you can just kind of leave everything locked away forever because that's not a reality really, is it? But as you say, it's that thing of, most people probably don't even realise they're carrying around a pile of baggage um, and referring to it constantly, whereas, yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what? I was reading the other day about um, there's this guy called Ken Wilber and his take on um, Sufis and um, gurus. And he's like, we as people look towards these enlightened beings uh, who are pure, they are light, they are, they're just free of all this, um, uh, the, the day-to-day tribulations and trials that we have uh, and that we should be that. We should be that pure where we don't have those hateful thoughts, that we don't have these problems. And it's almost like we are piling on their shoulders this pureness when really to be able to be human is to be all of those things you know, and recognize that actually we are just human, that we have all of these conflicts of the flesh, that we have all these conflicts of the mind and this. The good, we wouldn't have light if we didn't know what dark was. Well, having just introduced my 11 and 13-year-old to episode one of Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. Awesome. <laughs> we're starting at the start and we're going to go all the way through to nine uh, it's going to be a great Christmas. We're ending the year in a rediscovery of Star Wars, but you can learn a lot from those Jedi Knights. You know what? It is perfect. Star Wars <laughs> but, is the most wonderful teacher, yeah. But you've literally, that's what you've kind of, you know, to a degree, that's what uh, Yoda bangs on about all the time to kind of go, 
you know, you, you need to have stillness of the mind, but you also need to recognize the fact that there is the dark side and there is the light side and that you cannot totally ignore the dark side. You just need to work out a strategy as to how you're going to kind of like, uh, accept that it's there and not engage with it, you know? So, um, I think that's the other strategy to help people deal is just get the old Star Wars out again. <laughs> oh, my God. We, focusing on heroes and villains and everything, it is played out in front of us in everyday life, in movies and blockbusters, good versus evil, the trials and the, the sort of like the battles that you go through, the darkness in order to come out the other side and go, actually, I now know what to do. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. The force is strong in you, young Padwan. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. <laughs> um, so, look, uh, let's, let's, um, that's been amazing. Thank you. Um, the, I did want to sort of touch on, you know, it's, social media has been, uh, good and bad in various different ways. Um, I think it's great that some of the, the kids using it these days are, are using it as a way to talk about stuff. Um, uh, you know, there was a, uh, a girl in our cycling community and, you know, there's nothing like cyclists that love a bit of Instagram and um, literally my Instagram account actually is a cycling account, not really a personal account. I don't know if people have clocked that. Um, but... Um, yeah, this lovely girl that I never met um, but was friends of friends took her own life in the last three or four weeks, you know, and Sorry. she was a lovely girl called Rachel and it's impacted pretty heavily on this little southwest London community. Um, and, you know, but there, there's, there's been an outpouring on social media but there's also been, um, you know, um, it's pretty active. People who are suffering with mental health are normally quite vocal about it in a public way on Instagram or, or, or different other mediums. And I'm just wondering if you've got an opinion on that as to whether or not you think it's a good thing, it's a bad thing, what sort of stuff we should be doing to sort of try and maybe manage that a little bit more or, or different things that we can do to help people who are suffering, you know. You know, I think it's it's an ever-evolving dynamic, this social media, and it is new <laughs> in the history of man. It is new. Um, and it has its incredibly good points, and it also has its darker, murkier side. And I think, you know, people, it gives people a front. Um, uh, say, like, if you look to the darker side, it can give people um, a voice without being seen or recognized. And it can give people the confidence to say stuff, but it also can be used in a way where people are confident to say things uh, which they wouldn't necessarily say to a person's face. Um, and, you know, you're, it's like, talking to a brick wall but then you have um a comment coming back and there's so much more to it isn't there and i think uh social media does throw up lots of questions on how we relate and i think our younger generation coming through it's such a natural part of their life and it's almost like life is you know said in a few words 
Whereas my generation, you know, you go into depth, you'd talk over dinner and you'd be like gassing away. Whereas people's concentration span, it's like, yeah, yeah. And it's, and I think, you know, you're going to have conflict of generations because it's a new thing for the old. Um, it's a natural thing and it's what their peers are doing. Um, you've also got the safety aspect of what it can hide, but what it also exposes. We communicate more yet we're isolating more you know we're in our house but we can communicate to the rest of the world yet we're on our own you know it's mm. I think this lockdown has really highlighted lots of things how we are a relational being how we need the other person to reflect back to us who we are you know what can we say and then that person will come back with us you're kidding me, right? You can't say that about me. Or so we learn boundaries. We learn to we learn to live. We learn to be. And I think social media kind of can help that, but it also distorts it. And how do we protect ourselves? So I don't know if social media was used for your colleague uh, somehow, because you know you do see it on social media. People will be trolled. You know they'll be targeted. Mm. Um, it's a great platform for bullying because you know they're safe behind closed doors they're not going to get hit or found out you know their mm. their identity is unknown yet they are causing these pains mm. and can we teach our kids to be robust enough give sense of agency that whoever that person is is their opinion that can stay with them yeah, I, I think it's almost like the the other thing too is that I'm not too aware of in, you know too much bullying all that sort of stuff going on in this circumstance. But I think it's it's that thing which is the 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 gratification that you desire or need from when you put up a post. It's like yes, you can kind of get access to way more people, but you are sat there home alone. But it's like a drug that you're feeding off, isn't it? You know that if if you don't put anything up on a regular basis. And if you don't get that love back again, then you feel empty, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, True. That, yeah. that must be almost, that's where I think it spirals out of control, where then you're just permanently on this thing to kind of get that permanent gratification and reassurance that, and love, really, from strangers. Um, and then if, uh, if, if for whatever reason it's less on one day or not as much on another day or maybe some people make some negative comments on another day, that's where I think it's a little bit out of hand, isn't it? It does. And I think what you've touched on is very pertinent there in the fact that, you know, people will post something and, you know, they need a certain amount of likes because that defines them. They, they, mm. They've not achieved or they've not, um, you know, it will they'll think badly or darkly of themselves if people don't actually like that because they're putting themselves out there. Um, as, you know, that false persona as well, what you alluded to then could, you know, you open up the door to my perfect life. You know, people project out this amazing image of how happy they are and um, couldn't possibly have anything go wrong. I mean, we're always we're always sort of like, oh, yeah, well, I don't really want to wash my dirty laundry in public, do I? Um, you know, we want to put out that image that actually, you know, yeah, I actually cook a really good Sunday roast and check this out. Aren't I the perfect mother? <laughs> the, 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 classic, the, yeah. the classic Instagram versus reality thing, isn't it? You know, Isn't um, it just? Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people are having to consciously step back from that because we can fall into the trap of, 
Yeah, but they're always like this and they're always happy that, no, it, we know that's not true. But can we apply that in our own personal circumstances when we see that? Hate likes. <laughs> you know. Look, so I think uh, you've been very generous with your time, Shula. Thank oh, you. Have I been talking too much? I no, do. no, it's been great. But I think what we should do, though, is that is one thing we haven't covered is actually if you have made it to the very end of this thing, um, is that I still am a little bit grey as to where anyone can go to seek out a qualified practitioner in integrative psychotherapy or, or you know, so, so where, where can you go to find a, um, uh, you know, a qualified practitioner of psychotherapy? Well, it's wonderful. And I think um, it's very accessible online in that there are directories out there by various bodies that will guide you to local area psychotherapists. So either in the area of where you go to work, you can do it in your lunchtime or around home time. You can, you know, if you're working from home, you can find a local psychotherapist or counsellor that can help you there. Um, yeah, just check out online, Google it. Then you'll be given a local directory and names will pop up. And then just take a moment to get a feel for the faces and the bio. And so the, uh, but with regards to qualifications, you said the CCPE, is, is that a, a fairly well-recognised qualification? Um, but are, are there others that you should look out for when you're checking out as to whether or not someone is not very well qualified and yet doing this? Um, okay, so CCP was my college. That's where I studied. Um, uh, integrative transpersonal psychotherapy is my uh, label, so to speak, psychotherapist. Um, you have uh, counsellors as well and you have psychotherapists. Psychotherapists tend to really go on the inner work. We look at what's manifesting inside and we really sort of like grapple with the roots, as it were. Um, and you can find us anywhere, but instead of looking for, say, like the college, go for, you know, I want a therapist who's integrative, so they cover different modalities or you can go for I want a pure psychodynamic that works on very early relational um, attachment figures and how that transpires into your attachment in relations as you get older. Gestalt psychotherapists, wonderful inroad into how your body actually reflects your subconscious and you can access it that way. Um, relational integrative relational it's there's lots out there and you know what just go and try it you don't have to buy into the first therapist that you go to yeah. if you get a feel for it there will be times you'll be challenged it's not going to be an easy road but you know it's either stick with it but if you immediately get a sort of like a sense is that you or is it yeah generally this is not my type of therapy crikey yeah. I didn't even know there were so many modalities myself before I started training no. Well, um, to be honest, it sounds even more of a nightmare than seeking out a chiropractor because there's all sorts of different techniques of chiropractic out there. And yet, um, and, and like you say, even if you find a great technique of chiropractic you like, you could hate the practitioner that's actually delivering it, you know. Um, and that seems like the same thing in psychotherapy, you know. So you just got to do that thing of like seek them out, work out, um, you know, if, if you feel aligned with that practitioner and then um, carry on or not. So 
it's it's fascinating one because is it the practitioner or is it the modality and sometimes if you get an issue with a practitioner because we're all about relationships right maybe that's something you need to look at and it's probably a perfect person because they're triggering in you something <laughs> that you need to address all right that's, that's good so <laughs> the more you dislike the practitioner or a psychotherapist, the better it's going to be for you. That's good. Well, <laughs> don't want gut instinct, but sometimes they might be triggering something in you that might be irrational and needs to be dealt with. You just don't know. So in, in chiropractic, there are two main associations. There's the United Chiropractic Association and the British Chiropractic Association, which pretty much represent nearly half of the profession each, right? Is, is there a similar thing in psychotherapy or are there loads of different ones? No, you've got, you got two main ones. You've got BACP and you've got UKCP. So those guys, you want your practitioner, your psychotherapist, to be connected, affiliated to one of those. Yeah. So um, one or both. I mean, uh, and there, there is a code of conduct that we have. There's ethical issues um, and there's, you know, they are a governing body that we have to do so many hours training each year in order to stay on the books um, and to prove that we are getting impartial, impartial training, that we have supervision, we have to, so we have other people to bounce off. Because when it's just you and me in the room, it's just you and me. But there's a whole wealth of other people out there that will feed into and see a different perspective. And that's really informative. So your psychotherapists should be getting regular supervision yeah. and which where they discuss all their clients and also they should be affiliated to one of the two bodies that I mentioned. And I assume that stands for the British Association of Counselors and Psychotherapists, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Or the United Kingdom Counselors and Psychotherapists. Therapists. Yeah, you got me on Something the spot like there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. And then, um, yeah, so, and and they are, sorry, it's just something I don't really know because, I mean, we also then have the General Chiropractic Council, which is the government regulatory body to make sure that we do our CPD and training and, and, yeah. and all, and, and also, you know, haul chiropractors over the hot coals if there's any sort of particularly dodgy dealings going on. Absolutely. Um, Same as I but is, is that those bodies uh, look after that as well as just look after the membership, yeah? Yeah, so if any complaint has to be lodged because um, there are ethical boundaries, obviously, that can be, have been transgressed. I mean, it happens in every industry. Um, then there is a facility for the client to raise it if they feel as though something they haven't been treated rightly or fairly or mm. uh, they want to raise a concern and then it gets looked into and just like you you get you get you know you get questioned and you get a hearing so to speak yeah no, that's great Chula, thank you so much there's definitely been gold in there and i hope others benefit from our little conversation today so um thank you very much i'm going to um, press the stop recording and um thanks for coming thank you